Thank you. Oh, wonderful to see so many of you. Uh, thank you for coming to this showcase event. Uh, my name's Jerome Whittingham. I'm probably best known as Photo Moments online. I'm a photographer and, as you can see this morning, I'm a podcast producer as well. I get to go out and meet lots of different groups across the city, um, artistic groups and different community groups. I always say it's lots of interesting people doing really interesting things that really float my boat. So this morning's event has been put on by Created Briefs and we're being hosted here at Furley & Co in Hull City Centre. Hull, currently the UK City of Culture, of course. Today's event is about this particular brief that's been uh, a brief supplied by Steve at Dinostar, the Dinosaur Museum on Humber Street in Hull. And the brief is for some young creatives, some young designers, many of whom have dyslexia, uh, to create a calendar for Hull in 2019 to promote the city of Hull and to promote uh, the Dinosaur Museum. So to help us to explore this topic this morning, we have two or three guests um, around the panel here this morning. Let me introduce those to you. First, just to my right, is Miranda Ha. Miranda is a photographer. Uh, Miranda also has dyslexia. Uh, we'll come to Miranda shortly. Um, she's been putting on an exhibition of her own in the city um, this year. She'll be telling you a little bit about that. A uh, little bit beyond, uh, at the end of the table here, is Wayne Walton. Hi. Hi, Wayne. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Um, you're an artist too, again, an artist who's uh, struggled and conquered dyslexia throughout your life. You work, I believe, at Branson Community Arts. That's right? right, yeah. Good. Okay, we'll come on to that later. And then finally, uh, young lad, Josh, 14 years old. Josh becoming a little bit of a media star, I think. <laughs> you're going to be needing an agent before long. Um, you, you'll know where to look, I hope. Yeah, I only yeah. take 10%. <laughs> Josh, you also have dyslexia, but you're very much a participant, aren't you, with the yes. Creative Briefs Project? Yes. Yeah, good. Good to see you with your flash of green hair as well. <laughs> okay, good. So um, you've had half an hour or so um, to go around the tables that the young people have set up for their show and tell. I wonder if each of you could just sort of pick out one thing that has uh, been quite notable for you this morning as you've gone around the tables. Miranda, perhaps you could start. Absolutely. I really, really enjoyed looking at the, the work that you young people have created. It was fantastic. And the thing that struck me was the brilliant use of colour. You all use colour really, really well to bring out different features of your dinosaur. There was one young, young lady who was telling me about that her dinosaur represented fire and metal, and she'd used a really bright orange and a really shiny silver because that reflected the characteristics of her dinosaur, and I thought that was absolutely great. Fantastic. That sounds really good. Yeah, Wayne? What, what yeah, I'm gutted now, because I was going to say about <laughs> colour and things. Uh, one of the other things I liked was the, the fact that a lot of the dinosaurs were called after what they ate, like chocolate dinosaur or toffee-eating dinosaur or uh, things like that. I, I really liked that. Fantastic. And Josh, you created a dinosaur of your own, didn't you? Tell us yes. a little, just briefly, about that. Well, I know a lot of people did dinosaurs kind of out of their own imagination, so like chicken nuggets and toffees, um, but mine went for a more realistic type of look. So camouflaged, they had defence mechanism, uh, temperature controlling with plates on its back, and it's huge size. I, I just went for a more realistic type of look. Okay, so tell me about the competition you've had then around the tables. Uh, has there been another dinosaur that stood out for you? Well, I, I liked everyone. I, I liked everyone's uh, different uh, dinosaur designs. It wasn't really one that struck me as the best, because 
when it comes to art and design, I don't think there is something called the best or the worst. I, can't, I liked everyone's design. They're all really good. Fantastic. Yeah, there's, there's certainly been a lot of creativity um, on display this morning. Um, now, can we dig down a little bit deeper, perhaps? Um, I know very little about dyslexia. It's probably one of those subjects you think you know a little bit about. But can you, perhaps, um, Wayne and Miranda, can you just sort of tell me, what is dyslexia, particularly in your own experience of it? Um, it's kind of... What's, you know, how long is a piece of string? It's one of those things you could just talk about for ages and ages. I remember uh, the first time I kind of heard about dyslexia and even thought uh, I might have it myself. Uh, it was called word blindness, and that is, I think, really a bad description of, of what dyslexia is. Um, ev- everybody I've met with dyslexia has a different way of dealing with it and a different... Some people need a, a coloured gel over words so they can see it a lot better... That doesn't affect me in the slightest. That's a completely different thing. Um, I do jumble up words when I'm I'm writing a sentence. It's all in the wrong order. Um, obviously, spelling. Numbers are a big one for me. I'm very bad at adding things up and just 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 giving out a, a phone number. You'll get it all in the wrong order, which is really bad for a phone number. So, uh, and I think everybody with dyslexia is different and. So, Miranda, has there been anything different in your experience? Well, for me, dyslexia is about, um, essentially, it's about the difficulty with information processing. So, Wayne's quite right. Everybody with dyslexia will experience it in a really, really different way. And that's what my um, art exhibition has been focusing on, is that pointing out that difference in the dyslexic experience, because one, one dyslexia is not everyone's experience of dyslexia. For me, I actually enjoy reading fiction a lot. But I read really fast and I skim over words and I misread words. And when I'm trying to read something academic, because I'm currently at university and I'm having to read a lot of really dry text, I have to really, really slow down to read that. And it becomes really, really frustrating because I misread words all the time. And I can only read a short amount before my brain gets really, really tired and I have to take a break. So reading academic stuff for me probably takes twice as long. But I have to sort of factor that in and build it in. But I only got diagnosed with dyslexia two years ago, so I was quite late in life when I got diagnosed. But it did make sense of a lot of my school experience, because like a lot of people, I was told I was lazy at school, I was stupid, I was not very good. Having that diagnosis has really helped me. So Josh, your diagnosis then has been really quite early. Um, mm. What Wayne has said and what Miranda has said, is that familiar to you? Well, I agree that dyslexia doesn't affect everyone in the same way, because it can affect them in like reading and writing all the way up to like their confidence as well because a lot of people when they've got dyslexia they always think they're really thick and that's what they're always told especially in school um that they're always being real thick and stupid and that just affects their confidence on maybe reading out loud or talking about dyslexia in front of others so I, i do agree with like it does affect people in very different ways. You're certainly showing a lot of confidence in what you're doing here. Um, Miranda, you mentioned a particular exhibition that you've been involved with this year. Tell us a little bit about that. So my exhibition was um, called The Dyslexia Portrait, and what I did was I created a series of photographs that represented how different people saw their dyslexia. So I went around the country, around the UK, and I interviewed different people with dyslexia. And from that, I talked with them about how they saw it. I asked them to think of it in terms of a metaphor, what's it like? And from that, I created a photograph which shows their experience of dyslexia. 
and that was exhibited this year. Yeah, I've seen some of those images, so I know we're on the sort of podcast, it's only an audio sound sort of thing, but can you uh, sort of put into people's imaginations um, something of one of of the particular images? Absolutely, so one that everyone really kind of is drawn to is when I interviewed a young woman who was at university in Leeds, and she described when she reads, it feels like the words are falling off the edge of a cliff. So that's what we did. We create. We went out and shot, a, took a picture of a cliff, and we made the words literally fall off. So that was really representative of her experience of reading and how difficult that was for her. Yeah, Wayne. Uh, does dyslexia change throughout people's lives? Does it get easier? Does it get better? Does the the actual condition itself present different problems uh, at different stages of life? Uh, I think it's, it depends what you're doing. At what stage of your things, you know, when you're buying a house and things like that, you're having to fill a lot more forms in and, uh, you know, that type of thing. I think the older you get, you have more, you develop more coping strategies as you go through your life. And that gets easier because you've you've been in that situation before and you know how to cope with it. Uh, Or you don't know how to cope with it and you say, I need some help. You mentioned sort of earlier in the podcast this idea of putting a coloured gel over writing, mm. over type. Uh, that helps you to be able to read more. Not, more not easily. me, no, it helps. So, 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 that, that has no so what are the coping <laughs> techniques? Are there any other techniques that people can use to, to help? <laughs> You've put me on the spot there. That's um, probably I can't one. Really, uh, can't really think of I've, anything. I've got some ideas. Yeah, yeah Miranda. I use uh, technology that massively helps me with my dyslexia, and I wish it had been around when I was at school. I was at school a very, very long time ago. But um, I use a piece of software called Dragon Software. So I literally talk into my computer and it writes it for me. And that's so much better because my thoughts will just go onto the page without that barrier of the language. Um, Corrective spelling in technology really, really helps. Um, Also, when things are printed, I need them printed a bit bigger. So I've asked my university to print all my materials bigger so that the spaces between the words are more clear and the letters don't get as jumbled. So as you, like Wayne said, as you get older, you find what works for you. And it's about not being afraid to ask for that help and ask for what you need. So are people with dyslexia truly more creative than others? Or, you know, so how, if so, how important is it uh, to have projects like this that creative briefs are providing for people to engage with? Uh, I don't believe that crea- um, dyslexic people are more creative. I think it's like somebody who's blind listens more intently to things so their hearing isn't any better than anybody else's but they use it more and I think creative people have to use the creative bent is that the right word Uh, to to actually just get through the day and because you're using something you get better at it so the more you use it the better you get I maybe disagree with you but I do think that people with dyslexia tend to be more visual that doesn't always mean that they're more creative but I think that they see and think about things in a different way. Certainly I myself think in pictures a lot, so I think in terms of images and pictures. Like when I'm trying to remember someone's name, I often have a picture of something that reminds me of that. And that can sometimes lead to creativity. I also think there's another thing about the problem-solving aspect of dyslexia that is either part of dyslexia or because you have to problem-solve with dyslexia. That can actually lead to quite creative solutions sometimes in work or in art. What do you think, Josh, or... Well, People with dyslexia more creative than others? I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's really, if you have an interest in art and drawing, you kind of would follow that a bit more and more into detail. So, like I said, I don't really agree with having dyslexic people be more 
creative. I think it is basically just on an interest. Right. Some mixed opinions there around the table. Well, that's good. Uh, right, we've been collecting um, some questions this morning that we can put to the panel uh, here at this uh, Creative Brief Showcase. Let's, oh Josh, pick a couple of questions. Out. Let's do it at random. Let's, Ooh, see, what, um, let's see what we get. Go on. Let's go with the middle one. one in the middle. Here we go. Let's have a look at this one then. Yeah, if I can read it, of course. Yeah. Um, ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. Oh yeah, so this is about interactivity then. The sort of level, how much have people enjoyed um, interacting together by coming to this creative project? Um, are they getting sort of opportunities that perhaps they wouldn't have had elsewhere? What, what do you think, um, panel? Has have well, evidence of, of creative opportunities and collaboration? Definitely. Getting people together and doing things is, is beneficial in every, any field of life at all. Getting actually physically doing things is, is what everybody should do, whether it's a creative thing, whether it's a sport or anything. Getting out there and actually doing stuff rather than just sat on the settee watching town. Yeah, yeah. A oh, question I can put to you then, Josh, yeah? That someone's written down here. What have you learned about the creative design process? Well, when you look at the design process, it makes things a lot easier. A lot of people would just think of an idea, then go straight towards it, when you should really be experimenting with other ideas that maybe other people might have. Because some people might not agree with this idea, when some other, when some other people might. So, definitely... It's a lot better knowing the, the whole length, learning process and try just being a bit longer on your designing because you'll have to experiment yeah. with colours. Now, this whole project is about creating a calendar for Holland 2019. Uh, there are only 12 pages to a calendar. Uh, there are a lot more dinosaurs and a lot more people taking part in this project. Who has the final word? Well, Steve. Steve then. Steve has the final word. Yeah, I think I heard it said earlier that Steve, who's the curator of the Dinosaur Museum, Dinostar, having set the brief for the young people, the young creative thinkers, it's the client, I suppose, that has that final say. And I suppose we've got to wait uh, probably about 12 months, have we, before we get to see uh, the final calendar. Well, that's something we can all look forward to. So thanks very much for taking part in this little panel discussion. I hope you've got something out of it. It's been really good to meet you all this morning. Again, thanks to Furley & Co. in Hull for hosting us this morning and also to the Big Lottery for helping Jason at Creative Briefs uh, to fund this sort of project. Thanks very much for your help. It's good to chat with you. Thank you. <laughs>